Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you by Manufacture CT and sponsored by Cone Resnick, who are dedicated to helping manufacturers and distributors to enhance their competitive position and succeed in high-pressure trade environments. Visit them online at coneresnick.com. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all of the world's biggest podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Never miss an episode again and subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts from. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business. Welcome to the latest episode of Meet the Manufacturers. On this episode, I am joined by CEO Rick Fawcett from Outpace Enterprises and one of his clients using the Entrepreneurial Operating System, Tom Maguire, the CEO of Industrial Heater. I'm really excited about this one. Let's dive in, find out a little bit more about the EOS coaching and how it is setting Connecticut manufacturers up for rapid growth. Rick and Tom, welcome to Meet the Manufacturers. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Claire. Happy to be here. Uh, it's great to have you guys here. Thank you so much for your time today. So let's dive in. Let's start with you, Rick, first, if I may. Tell me a little bit about you, your company, and how you got to this point, sat in a room, albeit remotely, talking to me, doing this podcast. My career trajectory started about 30 years ago, and I spent the first 26, 27 years of my career in high tech and worked for a bunch of different startups, had some great outcomes, had some terrible outcomes as well. And about really late in the career, as I was kind of wrapping up one of the positive outcomes, I decided that I have a lot to offer other companies and like to be involved in the coaching business. And the thing that we used that had tremendous effect for us was this thing called the Entrepreneurial Operating System or EOS. Decided to build a firm that was just focused on that. Awesome. And when did you launch it? How did it come about? How long have you been in business? Yeah, we started in 2019. So we learned about EOS back in about 2010. And at that time, the CEO of the business, I used to be at at that company, I was the head of revenue for the company. And that CEO brought in an EOS implementer to help us run our business more effectively. And it worked. It worked in a big way. That first business in just two years grew from $2 million to $20 million. And as we were expanding and moving into a bigger company, we'd been acquired by a company called Accenture. I wanted to get back to the startup world and went Mm -hmm. to the next startup. And I put in EOS right away because it had such a good effect. And that business grew from about 12 million to 38 million over the course of the next two and a half years. Went to a third company with it. And that company went from 2 million to 15 million in two years. And then we sold that one for 125 million. That was about 2019. That's when that old boss had introduced me into EOS way back in 2010, way back being nine years before. He's now an EOS implementer in Michigan. He said, don't do another startup. Go help other companies do this. You like to help people. You like the way the system works. You're going to have a lot more satisfaction doing that. And so that launched us and it's been a blast since. Amazing. Now we're going to dive into exactly what you do and what you offer. But first of all, I would like to introduce Tom. Tom, tell me a little bit about yourself, your business, and how did you connect with Rick and get on this crazy train? Yeah, first I want to say, Rick, I didn't know that you had such explosive growth at your companies before. I wish I knew that because now I feel like our vision is just not enough right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, so I'm a fourth generation owner of a manufacturing company. We make uh, heater bands that go on injection molding machines. We also make sheet metal parts, contract fabricated sheet metal parts that go on a variety of applications. And that's the short answer for what we do. Basically, we help supply parts to other manufacturers that need what we make to make what they make. If that makes any sense. It absolutely does. I was going to ask you exactly what products you make. So what generation did you say? Sorry, fourth generation business. Fourth generation. We are 101 years old this year. Wowzers. My great grandfather started the company in Manhattan in 1921, making heaters that helped dry textiles in right. Canal Street, which was a big industry back then. And then we were there at the ground floor for plastics. He invented the ceramic band heater in 1954. And that no was way. the beginning of our bread and butter product, which are our band heaters. That's incredible. I love to get a little bit of history, particularly with these multi-generational companies. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So Rick, back to you then. Let's talk about EOS. Why is it important and why is it taking Connecticut manufacturers by storm? Come on. Five of them are currently using it and having amazing results. Tell me a little bit about the program. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that EOS does is it puts structure in business that will allow for that business to get more out of its people to have a clearer vision about where it wants to go, to help drive traction so that everybody in the organization is rowing with full vigor to the vision of the business. And then really just because the organization is aligned, because we are able to reduce conflict, because we reduce kind of misalignment and communications challenges, it tends to be a much healthier place. People tend to be happier. People are more excited about what the future has to bring. So in Connecticut manufacturing, we have a lot of business. We got new manufacturers in the state, but we also have a lot of ones that, are, that have been around for a while. And there's a simple reality that the processes, the methods that we used at one size of a business do not necessarily work at the next size of a business. We need to kind of redefine the way that we do things. And what we find is the, the longer the business has been around, the more it's continuing to work with its legacy way of operating. It's not necessarily reinventing itself because there's a lot of pressure. Like in, in Tom's case, fourth generation, I'm sure, Tom, you're the guy who's, who's going, I don't want to be the reason why this thing slows down. I, I got to be a good <laughs> steward of this business and take it to the next uh -huh. level. And so this idea of how we got to go build those next generation of processes, of system, of markets that we have to go after, it can be quite daunting. That's what we basically help put in with this EOS system is this ability to kind of develop that clarity for what the future should be, help get everybody on board with what that picture is, make sure that everybody's operating with alignment and discipline, accountability, and then making sure it's a fun, loving place to operate. So the EOS system itself has 20 tools, I believe, that are used to help the company kind of restructure, improve internal communication and processes that you talked about. How do you approach a business for the first time? You know, how do you assess a business to understand how the system is, is best going to help that company? Yeah, it's a great question. When when this system was created and, and this system is being used by about 120,000 businesses around the world, we are a coaching entity that, that takes that system and helps apply it. The very basis of the system, this realization that when you take a look at the number of operational issues that exist 
within the typical company, manufacturing, but also outside manufacturing. There's about 150 of these things, depending on how do you categorize them. It could be anywhere from 130 to 150 operational issues. Sometimes it feels like there's an infinite number, but when you basically start working with lots and lots of businesses, you realize that it is a finite number of 150, still a ton. And if you have to have a recipe for each one of those, it's a ton of work. And that's for what we find is that a lot of business owners, a lot of CEOs are really struggling because they're dealing with too many operational issues at the same time. The whole premise of EOS is that if you look at the root cause of those 150 issues, it just comes down to six areas of a business. And if we can strengthen those six areas of a business, then all of the operational issues start to fall by the wayside because the business just naturally handles it. So EOS, it has 20 tools that strengthen those six areas of the business to clear out all of those operational issues. We're always going to have the issues, but we want the business to handle it naturally and not treat it like a crisis all the time. And the methodology about how we introduce those tools is very defined. It's very practiced. It's been refined over the course of about 15 years, and it's pretty consistent. So this is something that will help a company restructure and clarify job responsibilities, I guess, and and create accountability within the business? It does. You know, really the first tool that we typically start with is something as simple as the org chart and defining that thing top to bottom to have absolute clarity. And it's funny because I don't know if I've ever met a business person who's like, what is an org chart? You know, everybody kind of knows what that is. But when you say, okay, can I see yours? Like, well, no, it's, it's in my head. I don't really, you know, we don't really have it down. And the reason why that creates a problem is because if I can't write down what a person's role is on this org chart, we call it an accountability chart. If I can't succinctly say, this is what your job is, then that person really is at a disadvantage to be able to excel at that role. So we basically start off with that, that, and believe it or not, that is one of the more challenging exercises that we go through. I think Tom, that was a exercise that you guys went through that took a few hours too, if I remember correctly. When we first started with the accountability chart, we we probably spent five to 10 hours in a conference room hammering this stuff out. And like you said, people have org charts. Do they use them? Does the rest of the organization know what the org chart is? Do they know where they fit in? Do they know what the responsibilities of each person in the org chart are? That's what we spend all that time doing and hammering out. And clearly defining our roles and getting them rolled out to the rest of the organization is it's made such a difference night and day. So if you're not using your org chart, change the name, <laughs> accountability chart. Absolutely. Like and, and, and so the spirit to it is we got to get that clarity for everybody in the organization to understand exactly what they're expected to go do. When you do that, at first it can be intimidating to an employee, but then afterwards it's like, okay, so let me, I got it clear. This is what I'm here to do. And as they start to get that, then they can start to bring their creative genius. That's when they can start to bring their whole brain to the job and start to say, hey, we should think about this. We should think about that. We should think about this. And then we start to introduce additional tools. After we get that kind of in place, we'll then start to say, okay, for what are the most important numbers that this business revolves around? Everybody has dashboards with 100 numbers saying this is good and bad, but really trying to break it down to what are the uh, the most important numbers for this business? It's another really intense engagement that can span months before you get it exactly right. We then go to, okay, what are the top goals for the business? And what are the top goals for individuals? And we then start to have that run across the organization. These are just three things that if you can start to put that stuff in place, it drives alignment 
and reduces friction. As we reduce friction, we can take the same amount of energy and just be able to go so much faster because we have so much less resistance kind of built into the system. Absolutely. Hence the rapid growth, for sure. How far along the process are you now, Tom? We are about eight months in the process. We spent the first three to six months really getting aligned. Like I said, sitting in the conference room, talking about our accountability chart, talking about our core values, talking about our vision, which is our 10-year, three-year, one-year plan, and our metrics, key metrics like, like Rick mentioned, what's going to drive the business forward. Being with our team, my leadership team has four people on it right now, and answering those really tough questions back and forth, arguing in a friendly way, coming to the table with new solutions, new ideas. But at the end of the day, walking out of that room saying, we all agree on what this company is, where it's going, who's going to be a part of it, what they're going to do, what's important to us. It just builds a level of teamwork that I haven't seen in our organization. It's just, uh, it's night and day. It's, it's so great. It must be a real asset, particularly for companies like yours that have such a rich heritage. I know I've worked for companies that have been established for a long period of time. And there's always things like, oh, but Jim's always done that, you know, and breaking down some of those historical barriers as well as it must be a little bit almost more challenging for a, a legacy company than it would be for an out and out startup. Would that be fair to say? I always say, you know, we're 101 years old. That means we have 101 years of great engineering practices, product knowledge, customers that we've gained over the years, vendors that we've gained over the years, all great stuff. We also have 100 years worth of bad habits. And that's people who've <laughs> always done things a certain way. It, it, it used to work great when we did it that way. You know, the list goes on, right? So one of my challenges being, you know, fourth generation has been trying to get people to see things in a new way. Yes. The U.S. has really helped us all become aligned and say, we have to look to the future now. We can't look to the past for our solutions. We have to come up with new ways and, and figure out where this company is going to go the next one year, three years, 10 years to be what we want it to be. And what's going to have to change in that process? That's what we're spending our time figuring out on, on a weekly basis, you know, quarterly basis. The, the work is getting done and the questions that we're answering are the important ones. Meet the Manufacturers podcast on behalf of Manufacture CT is created and produced by Red Rock Branding, redrockbranding.com. If you are enjoying this episode, please subscribe to and share this podcast today. That's amazing. Fantastic. Rick, tell me a little bit about EOS I've heard is famous for the L10 meeting structure. Catchy that, mate. Catchy. What is L10? I know L7 used to be a rock band in the 90s, but I don't know about L10. Tell me about L10. How does it work to keep everybody moving in the same direction? We're doing the rock band reference. We'd probably call it the L11 for the, you know, the spinal tap nod there. You take it to 11. <laughs> but uh, no, the level 10 meeting is actually, it's funny because it's just a meeting agenda. And it's one of these things that I'd say is one of the most popular tools that we have in the toolkit that we bring to companies. It builds on everything that Thomas was just saying. So like, one of the, the key things, and Thomas is exceptional at this for industrial heater, but one of the challenges that exists is when these entrepreneurial businesses are building up, it starts off with an owner or a founder or a family member that kind of has the most knowledge in the business, and they put leadership team members around them, and those leadership team members 
become very accustomed at being doers. They don't think, they just basically take their domains. What do you want me to do about that? What do you want me to do this? What do you want to do about this? And it becomes very centralized. Thomas's team, Industrial Heater's team, they're a leadership team. They basically are co-architects of what that future is. And that, that distinction becomes a really, really big deal because when it's one person's vision and we're just trying to get everybody else to buy into it, they, they kind of stay a little bit more as a doer when we basically can say, okay, hey, listen, we, we want a vision that we're all bought into, that we're all weighing in on, that we're choosing the best possible vision for our business collectively. That's when we basically get each of those leaders to start to say, hey, this matters to me. This domain is a big deal to me. The reason why I go into this is because as we're, we're identifying what that future is and we understand what each leader's role is and then later every employee's role. And we understand what the key metrics are and what the key goals are, then we need to have a meeting. And we, we encourage it to be a weekly meeting, 90 minutes, where we come in and we take a look at it and say, okay, how are we doing on our metrics? How are we doing on our goals? And if they're getting off track, how do we jump on it and get the thing fixed up as quickly as possible? We got a saying, we stole it from Tony Robbins. When something goes wrong, when we see a metric going red or a goal going red off track, you know, we want to jump on it right away. We want to kill the monster when it's little, not when it's eating Tokyo. And this weekly meeting is that forcing function where it brings everybody together, takes, puts all the eyes on the most important things, keeps us centered. And then if something's going sideways, we basically jump on it really fast. How has the experience been, Thomas, with the, the weekly 90-minute meetings? Have you found your team responsive and receptive to this? Have they, you know fully got on board with your vision for the next 10 years and are they in alignment with the core values and what you're trying to achieve i think any leader can sympathize with this we all get our teams together in a room we have our weekly meetings but how effective are those meetings the l10 stands for level 10 you want to walk out of the meeting saying on a scale of one to ten what would you rate that meeting and we ask everybody at the end of all these meetings, what would you rate it? I can tell you that yesterday when we had our leadership L10, everyone gave it a 10. They felt like nice. what we talked about, what we discussed, what we're going to do over the course of the next week is without question, the most important thing that this business can be working on. Like many other business owners, leaders out there, I was hosting meetings before we got involved with EOS that you'd have a purpose for the meeting, you go in there and you discuss what you want to discuss. I would think that someone was going to walk walk out of that meeting and do one thing. Another person thought another thing was going to happen. Yeah. We'd all come back the next week and maybe it yeah. didn't happen or maybe it didn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen or whatever. So now we're going to wait till next week for it to happen again. And the key to the L10, including the software that comes with all this that we use on the, in all of our meetings, it makes sure that everyone's on the same page we all know what, we, what we're coming to discuss. We document what was discussed. We know who's doing what. We all know what our marching orders are. It's in line with what our goals as a company are. And then we go our separate ways. We come back to the next meeting and it's all been done. Yeah. And if it hasn't been done, we all know it hasn't been done. And if the spotlight's <laughs> kind of on that person. Right? So it's like clarity and, and also in the communication within your team. If you've got that structure in place, it said it becomes like a bright light when something hasn't been met. And I, I would guess. just you know reiterate on all this stuff. Most businesses do these things, but what EOS is so good at is giving you the tools to execute it at a much higher level than maybe what you're coming in and offering to your team. Oh, this isn't just Tom cooking up another, you know, 
what's hot thing you know it's we're all on the same page on this we all understand that this system is designed to, to keep us aligned and on track and, and moving in the right direction that's kind of cool so how does a long-term 10-year vision when establishing company culture build employee buy-in that's this is what i'm curious about so you've got a team of people passionate about the company the jobs they do like you just been sort of alluded to there tom i've got this newfangled thing that we're going to bring in and it's going to make us all amazing how do you get that buy-in what's the process there rick yeah, so the 10-year target, we also call the big, hairy, audacious goal. And that's built on some of the Jim Collins, Good to Great books, and, and Built to Last books. And the example that we like to use with this is in way back 1962, the United States and the Soviet Union are in the space race. And there's a lot of tension because the Soviets got a satellite and it's going over the United States every whatever, a few hours or something. And a lot of people in the United States were afraid that we're about to lose the space race and that the Soviet Union is going to invade the United States and we're going to lose and there's going to be another world war and on and on and on. So in 19, I think it was 1962, John F. Kennedy announced to America that as a country, we're going to endeavor to put a man on the moon and return him home safely by the end of the decade. It was an eight-year target rather than 10-year, but a lot of people looked at that and they got excited and they said, that's something I want to be part of. That's worth doing. And as it inspired people and people bought into it, like you see NASA stuff everywhere right now. I'm actually literally drinking from a NASA coffee cup as I'm thinking about this. But that's what really drove NASA to be what it's be. Now, there was other people that looked at that and said, that's impossible. The physics, the, re the requirements that we have to do, the alignment of our country, the ineffectiveness of government institutions. Like, there's no way we're going to go do that. And those people shouldn't be involved in the Apollo projects to get to the moon because they weren't bought in. But the people that wanted to do it, it was more than just a J-O-B. It was a calling. And this is what we want to do for all our companies. Research shows that companies that are striving to be something outperform the companies that are just iterating all the time. And so when we look at this and say, okay, what do you want to be? We're not trying to turn this into a detailed thing. It's like a sentence. What do you want to be in 10 years? And then we want to get everybody bought into it and everybody to feel that they're that this is worth doing. We want to win hearts and souls of our employees in our business. We don't want those kind of transitional people, I'm sorry, transient type of employees that just don't care and just want to know what the latest rate is for hourly wages. Like we need to win the minds and the hearts. For sure. On average, if somebody was to come to you and say, listen, I need some help or I've heard about this EOS program that you run, what sort of period of time does it take if you like to complete EOS coaching 101 so to speak is there a, a defined time or is it literally as the company needs are are sort of being met um, i'll give my short answer but i'd like to have thomas give your experience with this one i don't know what you're going to say so this isn't a setup but from my standpoint any client that works with us after the very first session they should be able to take that stuff home and they should see immediate impact we should be seeing impact definitely within the first several weeks if not first wow. month Goodness me. Big claim. Come on then, Tom. What's the truth? He's absolutely right that after the first session, you do have some guidance. Is, there's no finish line. It's a process. It's really about the journey. Again, it's not me implementing a system on my team and having them do what I say, so to speak. We're all on the same side of the table. I'm just as accountable as everybody else. We came up with all this stuff together and we've all agreed on where we're going to go. So 
your question about how a 10-year vision can help align an organization, I would almost ask the opposite. If you don't have a 10-year vision, what kind of a company is it? You have people yeah. showing up as a JOV, they're doing their job. They don't know if, if they've contributed to the future or not. They're just showing up and doing doing what was asked of them. Yeah. On the opposite, when everyone knows where we're going, where our purpose is, and the brilliance of EOS, by the way, is we're going to take our 10-year vision, we're going to create a three-year vision to tie into that. Where do we need to be in one year? Where do we need to be in the next 90 days? And that's what we talk about in our meetings. Where are we going in the next 90 days? That's where we're going 90 days. What do we do need to do in the course of the next week? So yeah. the system really ties all this stuff together in a, in a brilliant way. Certainly sharpening the pencil, so to speak, so you know exactly what the objectives are on, on certain timescales. A more general question, if I may, for you, Tom, We're talking about you know manufacturing here in Connecticut. One of the things that you know we often talk to manufacturers about their businesses and what they're doing, are there any obstacles or difficulties or challenges that you're finding within the last year, say, forget COVID, obviously that was a a bit of a blow for most people. But are there any challenges outside of the uh, the EOS spectrum, if you like, that you're facing at the moment working and manufacturing in the state of Connecticut? I think the obvious answer is workforce development and hiring. It's not just a manufacturing problem. We're, as a economy, struggling to fill all the open jobs that we have. We're planning on hiring another 18 people over the course of the next year or so, probably 10 within the next three or four months. So that's going to be a challenge. We have a recession looming. Rates are rising. It's going to be harder for businesses to afford capital. And I think it's going to be important for businesses to hold on to cash and become profitable or hold on to their profits. But generally, as far as the state of Connecticut goes, I've been fortunate enough to do business all over the country, China, India, Mexico, South America. I think the state of Connecticut is one of the strongest states in regards to manufacturing and doing business here that there is in the country. The the support that we get from our government, the manufacturing communities that are here, that's Manufacturer CT, EMA, all the regional sector partnerships, the support that we get from our chief manufacturing officer, Paul Lavoie, it's just, it's better than, than anything else I've seen out there. So I'm proud to be a manufacturer in CT and I wouldn't have it any other way. Ah, so a nice commendation. There are a nice bunch of people you mentioned there as well. I won't name any names, but they're all lovely. And most of them (laughs) have appeared on this podcast at one time or another. The question about recruitment, you know, particularly finding the correct skills within new recruits. What key skills or attributes do you look for when a resume hits your desk? So utilizing EOS, we are really hiring firing and awarding our employees based on core values. So our core values are consistency, adaptability, precision, teamwork, and customer commitment. We grade our interviewees on those five core values as part of the process. We also need to determine whether they get it, want it, have the capacity to do the job that we're hiring them for. So we're not just hiring on our gut anymore, which is typical. Well, I like this guy. I think he'd be a good fit. And maybe he didn't fit the job that, I, that he came into interview for, but I, I can see him and I'll put him over there. It's much more structured, much more organized. And we've had the, the hires that we've brought in since we started EOS have worked out much better than before we were using it. 
And I'll add to that. Once we started rolling out EOS, people saw that there was a new system in place and that the roles were much more defined. People started to say, oh, I might not be cut out for this anymore. And they started to stick their hands up and say, I'd rather do something different. And we see that all the time. Someone's maybe not performing at the highest level that they can be, but now there's an opportunity or, or, or people are feeling transparent enough to, to have that conversation. And then we, we were able to move them somewhere to the right seat, right person, right seat. Another Jim Collins reference. That's fantastic. That's something that can be very difficult to create that open culture where people feel that they can ask that question and say, hang on a minute, you know, I like this bit of my role, but this bit, not so much, or I don't feel like I've got the attributes and skills needed for this one. So I guess the EOS coaching, the system, the program, whatever you want to call it, enables you as a leader to better place your chess pieces in the right place in order to get the best out of your people. EOS has allowed our people to be the best leaders they can be. Wow. Big statement. Rick, look at that for an endorsement. This is where we say Tom has not been paid. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Although I think we're willing to pay you now. Like I think. Sponsorship. (laughs) Ka-ching. I mean all this stuff. I'm not, I'm not just, you know, it's true. It's sincere for sure. Claire, I'd like so, to, if I can I elaborate on that on one of his points that he was talking about with the core values because for, for sure. me this is a discovery just in the last probably two years in high tech I was all performance oriented so I did look for people that got they get it they want it and they have the capacity to do the job that was very core to when we would go hiring and we were really focused on get your job done get your your scorecard items done get your goals done go 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 when I thought about core values I thought of it almost like a luxury item like wouldn't it be great if everybody got along and looked at the world the same way it would just be nice if everybody did that and i didn't when i was an operator and using eos i didn't prioritize it as much as i should have in hindsight what i've really learned on the coaching side has been i started to see the clients that took their values really seriously that they then started to say, I'd say a couple quarters, one or two quarters later, start to say, yeah, our new hires are really good. They're really good. I, I don't know what we're doing different. They didn't change the technical job definitions, but what was happening was when hiring managers were hiring people that were aligned with those core values, they trusted them more. The way that a person basically would make a decision, the judgment calls that they would make, the way that they would kind of prioritize certain things, they were consistent with their superiors point of view. They're the superior's values on things. And because of that, what would actually occur is you'd actually see people like their hires more. They would delegate faster. And this the organization culture then started to reinforce the stuff in a faster way. And so kind of my discovery in the last couple of years, purely as a coach, has been core values are not just a nice to have. It is real money that if you can get that in place, you're going to have lower attrition and you're going to basically have much faster ramp up rates of new employees. It's all about the core values. It's all about the core values. Tell me then, gentlemen, when you're not working your socks off, what do you like to do to unwind and relax after a hard day of level 10 meetings? Start with you, Tom. I just dream of L10 meetings all day. Uh, (laughs) Good answer. Good answer. (laughs) Uh, I I like to golf. I like to travel a lot. I, I like to work out. I was an endurance athlete in a previous life, so I like to keep up with running and swimming and all that good stuff and you know, hanging out with friends and family. 
Awesome. What about yourself, Rick? I think that, you know, my world of structure and this is the way we put the tools in place really lends to, I never thought about it till now, but I got a Jeep Wrangler and I love going off-roading with it. I like driving over rocks and through water and basically feeling very out of control. So I don't know what that that means, <laughs> but I feel like there's some psychological work to be done there. And then travel, <laughs> travel to just getting away is, is always a great hobby with me and, and my family members. Amazing. Guys, it's been such a privilege to talk to you today and find out a little bit more about the system. And I'm genuinely jazzed about it. And to see the unpaid for sponsorship of the EOS system, you know, with a real life victim, shall we say, Tom, it's been fascinating. It's been really interesting. I think that it's going to give our listeners and our manufacturers who certainly are quite passionate about this field, a lot of food for thought to actually take a step back and look at their organizations and think, actually, could I do this differently and could I be more productive? So it's been a real eye opener, certainly for me, and I've really enjoyed it. So I just want to thank you guys for being a part of Meet the Manufacturers and uh, being a part of the podcast. Thank you for having us, Claire. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, brought to you by Manufacture CT. If you would like to find out more about Manufacture CT or you would like to join the organisation, visit the website manufacturect.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cone Resnick, Advisory, Assurance, Tax. Visit their website coneresnick.com. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode and want to find out more about the vibrant and thriving manufacturing community in Connecticut, subscribe to and share this podcast today. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify. This podcast was created and produced by Red Rock Branding. RedRockBranding.com